Welcome to the NRSNG.com podcast, the podcast created by nurses for nurses. Are you ready to take your learning to the next level? Sit back and crank up the volume. Here's your host, John Haas. This is John with NRSNG.com podcast. Um, I'm pretty excited today because we uh, we have a couple really nice reviews up there on on iTunes, uh, and I really appreciate that. Appreciate you guys listening and giving us the feedback that you're giving. Um, if you have a chance, we'd really appreciate you heading over there and and leaving us a nice review and letting us know what you think of the podcast. And you can leave any questions there. You can also email questions directly to me at contact at nrsng.com. Also excited because uh, we're in the process of working on and finalizing uh, steps to creating a simulation NCLEX test. This is going to be computer adaptive, just like the NCLEX, so it will be very unique in the way that it's developed. So we're really excited about that. If uh, you're interested in learning more about that, I invite you to go over to simclex.com. That's S-I-M. C-L-E-X dot com, simclex dot com, and uh, that'll give you a chance to sign up for a special offer there to get uh, either reduced pricing or be part of the beta testing of that to get it for free and give us your feedback with that. All right, so let's move on with today's podcast. Today we're going to talk about angina. Angina is important to understand, but it's also actually really simple to understand. Um, It's really just a pretty basic uh, cardiac abnormality, and uh, but it's important to understand because a lot of patients can suffer from this, and it can be new and scary for patients to experience. So really what angina is, basically, is just chest pain resulting from decreased blood flow to the heart, to the coronary arteries. Um, and this results from a deficit in the myocardial oxygen supply and demand. Um, so what can actually cause that deficit. Okay, so there's there's just an imbalance, and this imbalance between the O2 supply and demand is termed ischemia. Um, and ischemia is temporary and it is reversible. Um, now, if... So there's, there's three things that can cause this ischemia. It's an obstruction, it's vasospasming, and it's a thrombus. So you may have a, an obstruction in, in the arteries, um, or those arteries might be spasming. And those things can actually cause this disruption in oxygen supply distal to that obstruction or to that spasm. Okay, and so what's going to happen is because there's that lack of oxygen supply distal to that obstruction or that spasm, though that area of the heart is not receiving oxygen. And since it's not receiving oxygen, it can't carry out ATP, right? I mean, ATP or oxygen is vital to um, cells being able to carry out ATP. So if oxygen isn't being delivered beyond a specific point, or if there's a, a decrease in the amount of oxygen required to carry out ATP beyond a certain point, the cells distal to that point aren't going to be able to carry out ATP. Um, so what happens is these cells are required to switch to an anaerobic metabolism um, since they're not able to use oxygen, and this causes a buildup of lactic acid. And this buildup of lactic acid... Um, causes this pain, okay? So you're starting, they start to feel this pain due to this buildup of lactic acid. 
and then there may be spasming and, and these cells start to become more um, permeable and they release histamines and things like that into the um, outside of the set, their cells um, and this starts to cause more pain. And these pain impulses are sent to the CNS, the central nervous system, and they begin to radiate to the upper body as well as uh, the chest, the area of the heart that's actually being affected. And since the upper body kind of shares the same dermatomes, the same pain sensors, um, as the heart, as that area, you're going to feel that pain in the upper body, the left arm, etc. Okay, now there's three types of angina. And those three types are stable, variant, and unstable. Okay, so the three types of angina are stable, variant, and unstable. Okay, now we've determined that angina is really just chest pain. And we know that the reason for that chest pain is a lack of oxygen supply. And we know that that lack of oxygen supply causes um, cells to be unable to carry out normal metabolic processes and you get a buildup of lactic acid and, and uh, pain sensation. Okay, and then the three types of angina that you can have are stable, variant, and unstable. Okay, so now these make sense. These terms are actually really uh, good um, abnormally for, for how things are termed in the body and stuff. But um, the three types of angina are stable, which is, it's the most common in, in the pain, this angina that you feel, this pain begins at predictable moments, predictable amount of exertion, and it's relieved by rest um, and or nitrates. So what will happen is um, this person will mow the yard, and every time they mow the yard, they get this chest pain. And they know that it happens every time, and they sit down for five minutes and the pain goes away. That's stable angina. It's very stable, very predictable, and it is the most common. Um, now, what will happen with these patients, though, is since they, they might just think it's heartburn, you know, it happens every time I walk around the block or every time I walk the dog, every time I mow the yard. So it's important to kind of dig a little deeper with these patients and find out if it, it's always happening after a certain amount of exertion or what is causing this pain, and then to help them determine whether that is you know a heartburn or whether it really is a possibly angina and that's something they would need to bring up with their physician to, to kind of investigate a little further and then you have variant angina variant is um, it's unrelated to, to any sort of physical activity and it generally happens in the evening time and it's actually caused by coronary artery spasms. So these spasms, not really sure why they're happening. They don't happen at any predictable time. They just happen. Um, and then you have unstable angina. And the pain is very unpredictable. It occurs with increasing frequency. And it may occur even at rest. And these people are, are a high risk for MI, for having a heart attack. So with the unstable, what you're seeing is you're seeing this patient... Um, the pain is very unpredictable and it begins to happen more frequently. So they maybe were having it, it started a month ago, uh, it would happen once a day, now it's starting to happen a couple times a day, and it's becoming stronger and stronger pain. So this is the unstable angina, and that differs from the stable that's very predictable. Unstable is unpredictable and it gets worse and worse and worse. Okay, so what are we going to see in our patients that, that are experiencing angina? Well, obviously chest pain. And usually, I mean, with the stable type of angina, it's going to be they have an activity, they have pain, they rest, that, then they get relief. Um, you, they may also experience dyspnea, a little shortness of breath, 
um, anxiety, fear, of course. So they go into the doctor. Uh, what are the what are the things the doctor is actually going to do to attempt to drag, diagnose angina? Well, the first thing they're going to do is they're just going to run a, a basic EKG. Now, the reason they do this is because angina typically uh, demonstrates um, predictable changes with the, the EKG. So what you'll usually see with the EKG is you'll see an ST depression or possibly an inverted T wave. So when you're thinking, um, so remember angina is lack of oxygen supply. So what you're going to see on your EKG is this ST depression or inverted T wave. Okay, these cells have not infarcted, they're not dead, they're just not getting enough oxygen. And so what's going to happen is you're going to see this depressed ST, ST depression. It's just kind of sunk below your isoelectric line, or you may also see the inverted T wave. Rather than it being pointed up, it's going to be actually just pointed down. So when you think lack of oxygen supply, think ST depression, inverted T wave. Okay, the next thing the doctor may do, they say, okay, so they, they bring the patient in, patient's complaining of this uh, chest pain, they'll do the EKG, they see this ST depression, uh, they'll say, okay, well, let's do a stress test. What a stress test is, is it kind of hooks them up to a, a continuous EKG, and what they'll do is they'll have the patient start uh, running on a treadmill, and they'll increase the, the amount of work that they're required to do, it'll get harder and harder and harder, and they'll monitor the EKG. They'll see when, what changes occur and when they occur. Now, if that's positive, they may do an echocardiogram. Um, and what that does is it gives them a, a very clean, clear picture of the heart. And they may also do a transesophageal echocardiogram, or TEE. And what that is, that actually goes into the esophagus, and that cleans up the picture even more where they're not getting the rib cage or the chest involved in the picture. Okay, now if all that is saying, okay, yes, we think there is still definitely some some sort of angina going on, there could be some sort of obstruction or thrombus, what they're going to do next is most likely a coronary um, angio. And what that is, is they insert a catheter into the femoral or brachial artery, and they actually inject a little dye. And what this dye does is it goes into those um, coronary arteries, um, and it allows them to assess blood flow to the various parts of the heart. Um, and what they can actually assess is how much, how occluded the vessels are, where they're occluded at, and what percentage of the vessel is occluded. If it's about 50%, that's something to be worried about. If it's 70%, that's something to really be worried about. Um, and what they can actually do, I mean, your cardiologist is actually going to be very skilled in determining exactly how much blood flow has been cut off and exactly where the blood should be going. Um, and based on what they're seeing with this dye that's injected, because the dye is taken up into the blood and the blood is, and that is then circulated throughout these coronary arteries, they can actually determine how much um, blood flow is being cut off and exactly to what areas. So they determine that. What they'll most likely do is if there is this, this uh, occlusion, there is this uh, obstruction or spasming or, or whatever going on, what they will most likely do, some of the meds they can put them on are going to be nitrates. Now what nitrates do, nitroglycerin, it's a really scary term for your patients. They'll probably be terrified, freaked out that they're, they've been prescribed nitroglycerin, right? But what nitroglycerin actually does is it dilates the vessels and it reduces the stenosis. So it's a very potent vasodilator. Um, and what that's going to do is it's going to allow uh, blood to get to where it needs to go um, in these occluded vessels. They may also get on beta blockers. And what beta blockers do, we've talked about this a few times in the past, 
But what beta, beta blockers do, obviously, is they prevent uh, the beta receptors in the heart from being stimulated. And when the beta receptors are stimulated, what they do is they create that fight-or-flight uh, syndrome. They're going to um, cause faster heart pumping. They're going to increase oxygen demand of the heart. Okay, So when you give the beta blockers, you're decreasing the uh, oxygen demand of the heart. Okay, Calcium channel blockers might also be given, and they're going to do this similar thing uh, as far as reducing oxygen demand and increasing blood supply. These patients will also uh, oftentimes be started on aspirin. And aspirin obviously is just to uh, thin the blood out a little bit and reduce platelet aggregation. So if they do have some sort of occlusion um, in their heart, their vessels, you know, 50% occluded or whatever, we, we're going to want to, or the physician will want to thin that blood out a little bit to prevent further occlusion until something further can be done or further assessment is completed. Okay, so one of the things that they can do uh, is called, uh, it, it's uh, angio and stent. So what they'll actually do is they'll, they'll go into the vessel that's occluded um, and they'll do, they'll actually go right to where it's occluded and they'll blow a little balloon up in there. And what that'll do is it will push the occlusion against the walls, open up that vessel a little bit more, and then they'll put a stent in there. And the stent is just a wire mesh. Um, it's just a, a little tiny wire mesh kind of cylinder uh, that's hollow in the middle. And so they'll, they'll blow that balloon up, push that occlusion away, and, and compress it, and then they'll put this stent in there. And what that stent does, it holds that vessel open once it's been opened by that balloon. Um, and what'll happen is it will, um, it, will, it will become kind of part of the vessel there, and it keeps that artery open so that blood can then flow like normal to the heart uh, where it was uh, previously occluded. Okay, so that's kind of what is the preferred, or that is a treatment that uh, physicians may choose with angina if it becomes to the point that uh, it, it, it is warranted to go and open up that vessel a bit more. All right, so that is angina. Uh, it's really not too complicated, um, but it's important to understand, important to be able to answer some of these questions on tests and be able to answer questions for your patients. Um, this is John with the NRSNG.com podcast. We really appreciate you if you could leave a a nice uh, review here for us on iTunes or Stitcher. Also, be sure to check out simclex.com, S-I-M-C-L-E-X. Uh, that's where you're going to find information about our very soon-to-come uh, computer-adaptive NCLEX prep program. It's very exciting. It'll be the first of its kind on the market, and we're very excited about that. If you have any questions, contact me directly. This is John. You can contact me at contact at nrsng.com. You can also find us on YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook. All right, we appreciate it. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to the nrsng.com podcast. Visit us at nrsng.com for disclaimer information and to keep the learning going.